Today we are going to be starting our new series, A Thrill of Hope, and because hope is, is going to be really important this year, right? We're, we're spending a whole series on hope. We're going to have these messages plus the Christmas Eve service, and then the Sunday after Christmas Eve, the whole staff, we're taking it off, but we're still going to have a service. What we're going to do is online only, so if you are an in-personer, Still going to be online. Everybody's going to be online. We're going to pre-record a service so that our staff all gets a week off with their families to celebrate. Um, but it's going to be a really powerful series as we end that series on hope. That, that's maybe going to be the best message in the series. Just wait. Um, but today we're going to be talking about hope because it's so hard, especially this holiday season, right? I mean, we've just come through celebrating Thanksgiving, and it was challenging, wasn't it? To be away from family, maybe even if some of you went with family or traveled, it wasn't like normal, Right? It wasn't as many people that you saw. Some of you, like us, had nobody over for Thanksgiving, right? You're like, we're going to be, be cloistered this year, right? We're going to be safe. And that's tough because one of the greatest things about the holiday season is being around friends and family. You know, there's some good things with it. I mean, you don't have to listen to Aunt Chloe ask you why you're not married yet um, or, or why you haven't had kids. You don't have to deal with that. There, you won't have to deal with maybe some of the awkward uh, office Christmas parties or the dumb gifts somebody's going to give you that you're going to store for the whole year and then give to somebody else next year at a white elephant party, right? You, you don't have to do some dumb things this year, but there's a lot of other things that are really hard. And it's not just because people are getting laid off right now, but it, being away from family can be difficult, it can be a dark time, it can be so challenging, and that's why we need hope so much this year. We need hope, and that's really our, our theme for this season is delivering hope. We all need hope. We all need hope, and that's why this message is going to be so important. And we're going to talk in this series about hope that we have for the present, for this, this difficult season we're in, but before we can do that, we've got to talk about the past, okay, just like um, the, the gross Christmas past, like we're, we're going back. You, you've got to deal with the past first because it often is the things in our past that hamper our future. It's the past that can make us feel like things will never get better because they've always been this way. So we're going to look at the past because what we're hoping to learn today, what we're going to learn today is that your past doesn't define your future. Your past doesn't define your future. This weekend, Melissa and I celebrated the, the uh, birthday, our first birthday of our twins, Kane and Evie. They're up here in the cry room watching. Um, and they, my, Melissa's been all, really into cakes, and I'd never even heard of it until this year, but she wanted to do a cake smash. So I want you guys to watch this video right now from this Friday's Cake Smash.
Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. I, I didn't just show you guys that because I had a lot of fun putting that video together, but I also wanted to show you this video because every time I see our twins, Kane and Evie, it is a reminder to me that your past doesn't define your future. Because as you've heard Melissa and I share, you know, we shared a lot about it in our series on Ruth last summer, but Melissa and I had a long time of infertility. For five years, we tried and tried with nothing, no success at all, finally did fertility treatments to have our daughter McKinley, who's about to turn four. And then after that, we had four miscarriages in a row. And it was a really difficult time. And we were trying to come to terms. We were like, okay, does this mean we're going to have an only child? Like we were expecting and planning on a bigger family, but maybe this is what it's going to be like. And then God miraculously gave us these twins. Um, so we're, we're, it just, they're a constant reminder to me, and I hope to you too, that your past doesn't define your future. And that's what we're going to talk about today because our past can really weigh us down. It can really be heavy on us and get us stuck in the past. You know, sometimes it's things we've done, sometimes it's things people have said about us, but those things begin to really hold us back and make us think the future is going to be any better. I mean, it could be stupid things, like when I was in third grade in Mrs. Hawk's class, and I ate a, a cupcake in one bite, so I was called Piggy for years, right? Yeah, you can laugh at that, that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, those things begin to define us, right? Or, or, or bigger things, like when I was 18, and with a bunch of buddies, we broke into a warehouse, drove forklifts, and vandalized the place, and then spent a cold night in jail. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that can weigh you down, and you, you think about, oh my gosh, that thing in the past can really, is it going to prevent my future? I remember having a conversation with someone I, I loved and trusted, like, well, what is this going to mean for, for getting married? What is it going to mean for your career? What is it going to mean for all sorts of different things? And, and those are heavy moments. I, I remember, especially because God had already called me to be a pastor. And I was an 18-year-old in jail. And, and I remember back in the back of the cop car before they took us to jail, after the cop car figured out, the cop figured out all the things that we were doing, and, and had done, he, he you know, got a little bit nicer and he said, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And I just had this moment of shame wash over me, right? This moment of shame because I knew better. I knew better. What was I going to do? I had been called to be a pastor and here I was. And those moments of shame, th those experiences in our past can weigh us down. Perhaps for you, it was a relationship you had and that relationship ended so poorly. Maybe you're dealing with divorce or, or, or being a widow and you're looking at that and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to define my future. It'll never get any better. I'll never overcome that relationship. I thought he was the one. I thought she was the one. Perhaps it's because somebody has said something about you, maybe a teacher or a parent, and what they said it impacted you so much that you think, I'll always be a screw-up. I'll never get out of that. There are things in our past that can be so heavy for us and so blinding to us that we don't even see that perhaps there could be a better future out there. So what today is most important for us to learn is that your past doesn't define your future. I think one of the um, things that really helps us all see this is that TV show Fixer Upper. You guys watched Fixer Upper, HGTV, Chip and Joanna Gaines, very famous. In fact, they've, they've somehow uh, redeemed uh, Waco, Texas, right? That's a redemption story right there. You know them as where Chip and Joanna are, not as where the Branch Davidians had their crazy compound. Okay, but that's amazing in itself. But what they do is they go in, of course, if you've seen the show, is they find old houses run down, not looking great, and they flip them. 
Okay? They, their, their line is that they take the worst house in the best neighborhood and turn it into their client's dream home. So what they do is they see something that's old and has baggage, and it could be stuck in the past. But they're like, no, 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 we're going to renovate it. We're going to fix it up and turn it into something great. And that's really redemption. That's what we're going to talk about today. And what we celebrate in this Christmas season is that Jesus came and he redeemed us. So I want you to see this from Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there with me. You can look on the YouVersion Bible app. We have, uh, if you look for a Rise Church Denver, you can find all the scripture and, and take some notes for today. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, in Zechariah's song. And in verse 68, we pick this up. And it says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. He has come and redeemed them. So this is Zechariah. And if you remember the story of Zechariah, we talked about it a little bit last Christmas, but Zechariah was a priest. He was very old. He had been going up in years, and he was serving in the temple, which was a major highlight of his entire life. But he had thought, because he was older, that he would never have kids. He and his wife were both very old, getting on in years. And, and then when God spoke to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a child, he didn't believe, so God, like that, struck him mute. Zechariah couldn't talk. But then, of course, his wife, Elizabeth, got pregnant and then had a baby who we know as John the Baptist, who's the cousin of Jesus, and John was kind of the forerunner to say, hey, the Savior, Jesus, is coming. And, and when Zechariah now has held this baby in his hands for the first time, he's holding this baby in his arms, he cries out, all of a sudden can speak again. And he exclaims this song of praise. It's, it's also a song of prophecy, as we'll get to in a second. But, but he's saying, hey, what's happening now is amazing. There is redemption here in verse 68. Because God has come to his people and redeemed them. And I think he in his own life has now experienced this redemption, going from childless to now having a child, and now from mute and unbelieving to speaking and singing praise to God because of what God has done. It's this thrill of hope that we'll be talking about later. And he's prophesying now about the Savior who would come because I think he probably had an inkling now that his son John would be special and pave the way for John's cousin Jesus, the Savior of the world. That word redeemed here is so important because the word redemption means purchasing something out of. So it's purchasing someone's freedom is the most common analogy that this is used in the Bible and in the first century. You see, slavery in that day and age was most common as a form of debt slavery. So if you couldn't pay your bills, you were out of work, maybe your crops were terrible that year and you had no money and you couldn't, you couldn't pay your bills, you couldn't feed your family, you would go into debt. There was no social security, there was no um, you know, government safety net, so people would go into debt. And they would become slaves in order to work and pay off their debt and gain their freedom. For some people, if their debt was too big, it would take their entire life and it still wouldn't pay out their debt. So people would either be slaves for years or slaves for a lifetime. And when uh, someone who was outside came and purchased someone's redemption, what they would do is they would pay off that person's debt and set them free. It was a very powerful thing that someone could do. So what Zechariah is saying here is that Jesus, that he's coming, God in human form is coming to redeem us, to purchase us out of the slavery we have from our past. 
that past you have that's been holding you back, imprisoning you, you're going to be purchased and find freedom out of that. That redemption, it's like Chip and Joanna going and finding that old, broken-down house that nobody wants and purchasing it so they can redeem it, right? They can redeem it and make it and restore it to what it was supposed to be originally, or maybe even better than what it couldn't have been before. That's what redemption is. And what we're going to see in this short little song that we're going to jump around in in just a second is three things about how Jesus redeemed us. So if you're taking notes, the first point is that Jesus redeemed us from sin. Jesus redeemed us from sin. The first point we're going to notice from uh, verse 77. So this is towards the end of this song of prophecy. And, And Zechariah says to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. He's speaking specifically about his son John that's going to proclaim that the Messiah is coming and that there is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of their sins. So the first thing is that Jesus came to redeem us from sin. He redeemed us from sin. You know, sin is missing the mark. If God has set a mark... Anything that falls outside of that, if you're shooting an arrow at a bullseye, anything that misses is off the mark, it's sin. So if God has said, do not lie, do not commit adultery, do not steal, here's, here's the law. So anytime that you fall short of that, you have sinned. And every single one of us has sinned. We've lied, we've treated people poorly, we, we've said things that are wrong. Perhaps we've vandalized and broken and entered or, or done some other crime. Whether it's uh, the human law or God's law, we have broken these things and we have sinned. And this sin can, can bring to us a guilt that we have to carry around because we have done something wrong in the eyes of God. And God has come in the form of his son and he redeemed us from that sin. Redeemed us. He purchased us out of that. This is the punishment you owe. You should be in debt slavery, but I'm going to free you from that. That's what Jesus does. It's almost like when... When you go in to fix up the house, right? And you think, oh my gosh, this kitchen is terrible. Let's rip it all out and put in a whole brand new kitchen. Some of you are like, I would like that. The furnace doesn't work at all, so we're going to put in a brand new HVAC unit with all new uh, ducts throughout the entire house. We're going to gut out all the old, all the terrible stuff. We're just throwing it out. It's no good. Take it out. God, in the same way, wants to take out all that yuck and all that sin, all that baggage we're carrying around. Forgive us from it. In Psalm 25, 7, David prays, Don't remember, God, the sinful things I did when I was young. Because you are good, Lord. Remember me with your faithful love. Don't remember those sinful things I did when I was young. This is a prayer that I prayed. God, don't remember those things. I think we all look at, can look back and say in our past, I have some things that are sinful. Whether it's from when we were young or just younger or maybe even just yesterday. Because that's the past too, right? God, forgive me for those things. I can't believe I did those things. God, don't remember them. Don't think about them. But the great thing is, is that God does promise to not remember them. He sees our sin and wants to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. He knows that we are guilty. He knows that we have been the jerk, that we have said the thing that has hurt someone and is what's on their conscience all the time. He knows that we have done things that are inappropriate in relationships. He knows that we have been looking at things on the internet that we shouldn't have. And God sees that sin and he says, I want to forgive you of that. Your past doesn't have to define your future. 
I love some of the scriptures that talks away about God's forgiveness. In the Psalms, it says that God separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Hey, they don't connect at all, right? <laughs> That's how far God removes our sin from us. It says in the book of Isaiah that God takes our sin and puts it behind his back, meaning he's not going to look at it anymore. He doesn't care that it's there. Or in Micah, where it says that God takes our sin and hurls it into the depths of the sea. He throws it so deep that no one could find it. That's how God forgives us. That's how Jesus redeemed us from our sin. And that's amazing good news, is that that past, that baggage, that guilt that we've been carrying around can be forgiven. We can leave that behind. It doesn't have to define your future. Because what can often happen is that the things we do make us feel guilt, but it can also become who we are, and that's shame. But the good news is that Jesus also came, our second point, and he redeemed us from shame. Jesus redeemed us from shame. It's not just the sin we have committed, that guilt we bear, but also the shame that we're carrying around us. I want you to see this in our passage as well. Look at verse um, 60. I'm sorry, verse 71. In verse 71, it says that there will be salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. You see, shame occurs because we have guilt. Like me, I, I had done something wrong. But then shame comes because there's other people in our lives. And we wonder, what are they going to think about me? How are they going to feel about me? Brene Brown is one of the, you know, the leading experts on this, this idea of shame today, so I'm going to use her definition of what shame is. And she says that guilt is that I have done something wrong. Shame is then, then what it becomes for you. So if guilt is I have done something wrong, shame is I am wrong. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. It becomes part of who we are in our identity. And sometimes it's because of what that person said to us. Shame on you. You should be ashamed of yourself. And we carry that. And that's why I say in this passage it says salvation from our enemies. Because if you know anything about history, God's people, the Jews, weren't in a war at this time. They had fought a bunch of wars and battles and they had lost. But they were um, under the regime of the Romans. And because the Romans ruled over them, they didn't have freedom they were not autonomous. They were second-class citizens in the Roman Empire, and that bore with it a lot of shame. So in this prophecy that Zechariah is saying is that you can be freed from your enemies, part of that is the shame that comes from being conquered. So when we talk about shame now, as I'm kind of drawing that out for us, that means that maybe it's the thing someone said about you. You're no good. You're a whore. You're a terrible person. Those words that, that can come, and, and yes, we may have done something, but then it becomes who we are. I am an idiot. I am no good. That's the shame we bear. We, we feel ashamed. And, and I can tell you that I have felt ashamed of my sin in the past. I, I think we all have. But Jesus came, and he redeemed us from our shame. In the book of Isaiah, there's this great prophecy. And it says in Isaiah 54.4, Fear not, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your 
youth. The shame of the past, you won't need to worry about it. You won't need to worry about going home, because that's one of the hard things about the holiday season. You go home, and then your mom remembers what you were like when you were a teenager. You feel shame. That's why you don't even want to go at all to your high school reunion, because they know what you were like back then. And you feel the shame even just thinking about it. We carry around this baggage with us, and that past can become our future. Because I've been through this stream of relationships that have been no good, I guess I am unlovable. But Jesus came, and he redeemed us from our shame, to free us from that. Your past doesn't define your future. And what's the most amazing thing about this is that God does want to give us a good future. Just like in Fixer Upper, okay? They, they fix up the house, not so they can put it as a museum, so that so someone can live in it, right? It can be someone's dream home. You fix up the house so that you can live in it. It's fixed up for a purpose, right? And in the same way, Jesus redeemed us to serve. Jesus redeemed us to serve. And this is so important because there is a purpose for God taking us out of the shame and the sin and the baggage and the weight of our past because we are made for something new in the future, to serve God. You see this in our passage in verse 74. It says, To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, why? Um, And to enable us to what? Serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Jesus redeemed us to serve. It's not just to get rid of that bad past and have a clean slate. That's great. (laughs) But it's so that you can have a purpose now, that you are made for something great, to serve God. Because there is a kingdom of God that arrived with Jesus Christ. And this kingdom, though you can't see it, it's not a physical kingdom. It is something that we can be a part of as, as God's power captivates people's hearts and minds. And as they're transformed on the inside, we can go and serve that. The kingdom of God is huge and it's all around us. That's what we try to be a part of as a church and why we do outreach so that more people can feel and be a part of the kingdom of God. We're serving other people around us with our local outreach efforts, with our um, hope boxes, hope sweet hope boxes, so that they could experience the kingdom of God. We're serving, and we want everyone in our church to experience how powerful it is to be involved in something so purposeful in our lives, so purposeful. We want everyone to serve. Maybe it's with one of these holiday outreaches. Get involved. Get involved. Serve. It's one of the most important things. This is why we're redeemed, to serve. Or perhaps you want to serve here more regularly. You can go to arisedenver.com slash serve. We need people to serve somewhere, okay? There's always a need. We need some some more welcome team people because, hey, you know... (laughs) We, we, we need people to te- check people's temperature, right? We need some welcome team people. We need people serving in kids' ministry and youth ministry and student ministry on, on Wednesday nights. We all, always have, maybe, maybe you're, you need to use your musical talents up here in the band or, or working with computers in our AV team. You know, there's always ways that you can serve, and when you do that, you step into advancing the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, of course, is so much bigger than our church, even so much bigger than the 1,400 church network that we're a part of called Converge. The kingdom of God is enormous, But it's amazing that God invites us to be a part of it, to serve him on it. And it is one of the greatest thrills of hope that no longer am I tied by this baggage to my past, that I'm not good, that I'm good for nothing. No, no, you are not worthless. You are of great worth. You can serve the king of the universe and advance his kingdom here on this planet. That's amazing. 
Jesus redeemed us from our sin, from our shame, and to serve. That's why your past doesn't define you, and it doesn't define your future. God does. God does. He's the one who gets to define our future. If you let him, if you allow him to step into your life, to heal you from the hurt of your past. Some of you are saved, but you've never been healed. (laughs) You're still dealing with that baggage, that guilt, that shame. But Jesus did that so that you could have a greater future in his kingdom. I've called this series The Thrill of Hope because that, that moment of experiencing hope it is a powerful moment. It's, it's thrilling. And as the song says, uh, talking about the night, you know, the holy night, it's a thrilling, powerful moment. And I want everyone to experience that thrill of hope again this holiday season. You know, one of my favorite moments in Fixer Upper, of course, is the great reveal, right? The, the reveal scene where the, this couple who had seen the old dilapidated house ha- has not seen it finished yet. It's all finished and they have these, these great big walls that they built up, and, and they have a picture of the home of what it used to look like. And then, of course, they pull those uh, panels away, and the couple for the first time, this family for the first time, sees their brand new remodeled home. And it's an emotional moment, isn't it? They tear up, they cheer. There's tears on their face. That's the thrill of hope. Wow, look at the old and look at the new. That's redemption. And that is such a powerful moment. I remember, for me, you know, when I um, spent a night in jail, I then had a criminal record, right? I was old enough to really make a dent in my reputation, right? Had criminal record. And I know because it, it, it impacted my life because I got fired from a job pretty quickly after that because I had a criminal record now. I couldn't handle petty cash. I handled less than like $15 a day, okay? But I couldn't do anymore. I got fired, then when Melissa and I were looking for an apartment right after we got married, we found this great place, great community, had a cool pool. Oh, we love this place. But they wouldn't allow anyone to live there who had had a misdemeanor in the last seven years. Well, I guess that's out. I can't live there. I remember graduating seminary wanting to be a pastor. Church is not even wanting to take a look at me, right? Don't want to touch that guy with a thousand-foot pole. And all those moments made me feel shame. You know what I'm talking about? That baggage from the past. But I'll never forget when uh, I had applied to a church in this small town in Nebraska. <laughs> and we went out for the interview, and they took us to a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And Melissa and I were driving up, and there <laughs> was a big sign right outside of the farmhouse that said, Welcome, Matt and Melissa. And they had taped it up on a forklift. You can laugh now, but it brought tears to my eye, right? It was an emotional moment because these people, this church was saying, we know about your past, but we accept you. That shame has been removed. And it was a powerful moment of acceptance, even as I'm telling you right now. And I believe that that's the thrill of hope. That that past that we have in our, the shame, the sin, the guilt we bear doesn't have to define our future. God can. He can redeem us from whatever we've experienced, whatever we've done. Maybe it's because someone has left us, neglected us, abused us in the past. It's not even something we've done, but that that past that we have that has weighed down on us for so long 
God wants to free you from that shame, to redeem you for a purpose. That's the thrill of hope. That's the thrill of hope. And that is what Jesus brings. So as the band comes up right now, I want you to think about the things that you're holding from your past that are weighing you down, that are keeping you back. Maybe you continually say something about yourself in your head or, or you're thinking, other people are thinking about this, uh, me about this. They're, they're judging me that, that I am the criminal, I am the crook, I'm the drunk, that, that I'm the womanizer or I'm the whore. We, we have these things that we tell ourselves, but Jesus wants to redeem us from those things. He says your, your past doesn't have to define your future if you let God define your future. And that's what his son Jesus came to do. And the thing we, we really need to remember is that if we just tell ourselves, oh, you're a good person, you're not that bad, we're lying. <laughs> we do sin. We are bad. We are pathetic sometimes. And if we're just telling ourselves these things, it's not going to help very much. But when Jesus, who lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross to pay our punishment and to redeem us from our sins. When Jesus says you are forgiven, when Jesus says you're redeemed, then we are. What he says is the most important. And that's who we turn to in this Christmas season. That's who we're turning to today because he is the one and he alone to redeem us from our sin and from our shame and to serve. So that's what we're going to do right now. Just have this moment, that this past that's been weighing us down, holding us back, we're, we're using it to define us. Maybe it's even keeping us from getting out of bed or, or going to socialize with anyone. You're, you're maybe happy that you don't have to see anyone at Christmas but because you, you just feel depressed because of your past. But your past doesn't have to define your future. Let God define your future. So I want us to just take a moment and whatever that is weighing us down, I, I just want us to release that to God today. Close your eyes, bow your heads, and release whatever it is to God. That guilt from what you did, that shame that's been weighing down on you. Lord God, take it away. For the person right now who's feeling like they're never going to get out of that past, Lord, Come into their lives. Help them feel the thrill of hope. The power of redemption. I, I know there's someone listening right now um, who has just been overwhelmed with shame re recently. And, and I just pray, God, that you would free that person today that they would know that they are healed, that they have a new future with you. And with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. You haven't accepted this gift of forgiveness and redemption. And maybe today's the day to do it so that you can experience that power for the first time. So if that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me so that Jesus would be your Lord and Savior and would redeem you. So repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Redeem me. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you for all my days. 
Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, just slip your hand up in the air. If you're watching online and you said that prayer, congratulations, you're redeemed. And would you go to arisedenver.com slash follow and fill out that form so I can connect with you and encourage you because your past doesn't define your future anymore. God does. Now would you, everybody in here, would you open up your eyes? Would you, would you please stand with me for just a second? We're gonna take communion in a moment as we remember that Jesus was broken for us, that he did die for us, that his blood was shed to forgive us of our sins. But I want us to declare, because too often the voice in our head or the voice of other people are, are, are crowding out the voice of God. And God is saying to us that we are redeemed. So I just want us all to declare out loud, I am redeemed. Can you say that with me? I am redeemed. Let's say it a little louder. I am redeemed. Type that in the chat. I am redeemed. Now we are going to sing together with Israel, waiting for that redeemer, like Zechariah waiting for the redeemer. O come, O come, Emmanuel, who has come to ransom, that's another word for redeem, captive Israel. We are free. So at this time, we're going to take communion together. If you're watching online, just pause right now. Go grab some bread and, and something to drink. And we're going to take this together as a family in person and online. And if you're here, you should have one of these little communionables. If you don't, just raise your hand. And, and Christopher here will get you one. Just raise your hand. He'll bring you one. So we're going to take this, this bread as we remember that Jesus redeemed us at a great cost. That he spent it all for us. And the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he took this bread and broke it, saying, this bread is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
Lord God, we are so glad that you wanted to redeem us, that you saw in us something valuable, that you saw us even with our past, with our our sin, with our shame, And, and you wanted to redeem us for a great purpose, and we are so grateful that you sent your own son to pay the greatest cost, giving us his own body, his own blood, to forgive us of our sins and purchase for us our redemption. Lord, we are so grateful for that, and we pray right now that we could be reminded that it's who you say we are that matters the most. Amen.